to John Swinfield's Big Business Podcast. And now, let me introduce your host, journalist and writer, John Swinfield. Hello, I'm John Swinfield. Welcome to Big Business. I'm a journalist and television producer, and I've spent much of my life writing and making films about business bosses. I hope you find this pod gossipy, irreverent, informative, and even fun. If you like the feed, please don't forget to click the subscriber button. Big Business is on every week at 11am GMT on Wednesdays. The idea of dropping in unannounced at an unsuspecting corner of a retail empire with a film crew in tow worked well with Sir Leslie Porter, the then boss of Tesco. Leslie was the son-in-law of Jack Cohen, the founder of Tesco and the inventor of supermarkets in Britain. Jack's famous maxim was, pile em high and sell em cheap, the cry of a market trader. It became so well known, it was an embarrassment when subsequent attempts were made to take Tesco up market. Leslie married Jack's daughter, Dame Shirley Porter, an intelligent, proud woman, the formidable leader of Westminster City Council. She was caught in controversy when accused of gerrymandering in a Homes for Votes scandal. A drawn-out affair, she always vehemently protested her innocence. Leslie jumped at my idea of a surprise visit to one of his supermarkets. But the shop might be in a poor state, I told him, which was honest, but on my part hardly persuasive. What do you mean none of my shops are poor, he said. Your viewers and listeners and readers, they're my customers. Don't warn the store, I told him. Of course not, he said. Do you promise, Leslie? You have my word. But can I trust it, I said. Don't be silly. I notice you didn't say yes. I'm a businessman, he laughed. Okay, then, I told him. It's a deal. A bit of humour wouldn't go amiss. If you find something you don't like, I don't want anybody being fired. I really don't want that on my conscience. I wouldn't, he said. I'm not a monster, says who, Leslie? We went to a Tesco store and filmed as he leapt out of his limo and barged in. Security and staff pounced. What on earth did we think we were doing? Who gave us permission? They quickly shrank away when they recognised the boss. With a film crew at his shoulder, he strode to a shelf wanting to know why the hell there were vacant spaces and why it was cluttered with empty boxes. Every inch of lost space costs us a fortune, he said. It only pays for itself when we've got stuff on show and it's properly displayed. An ashen-faced manager and his team scurried around. I'd landed the minute, and I was feeling rather guilty. But I was doing my job. It was original, honest, entertaining, and enlightening TV. Yes, Leslie told the manager. It's all very well rushing around now. What would you have been doing if I hadn't dropped in? This bloody shambles would still be here, I suppose. He busied himself arranging and rearranging the shelves. We all spend far too much time in offices, he said, when we should be out here on the shop floor with the customers. He turned to the staff. What were you all doing? It's here that we go broke, or don't. This is where the money's made. 
Leslie knew, of course, that any manager could be caught out and that an untidy or empty shelf wasn't the end of the world. There were other irritations, but he wasn't the type for a public harangue, though I think he might have had a quiet word later. I suppose it was a mean trick, he told me afterwards, but it doesn't do any real harm, keeps people on their toes. Was any publicity better than none, I wondered? Yes, I think so. Apart from the odd mouse, I hope we haven't many of those. You'd love it, wouldn't you? A mouse scurrying along in front of the camera. That'd really make the show. There was no point in denying it. I could only smile and nod in agreement. Leslie Possiment Porter was the son of Jane and Henry Possiment, who built up a North London textile business. Leslie started out as a 14-year-old selling luxury cars. His wife, Shirley, grew up in London's East End, a byword for deprivation long before its gentrification by Canary Wharf bankers. She and Leslie were of a generation of steel-willed immigrants who left an indelible imprint on post-war industry and commerce in Britain. Porter's time as the boss of Tesco was successful. He prepared the ground for successors, including Ian McLaurin, the Liverpudlian Terry Leahy, and Dave Lewis. Lewis was parachuted in from Unilever to sort out an accounting scandal in 2014. But Tesco pulled itself round, and in 2021 remains Britain's biggest supermarket group. Having lunch with Leslie in London's West End, he told me, retail is detail. It was a cliche, of course, I'd heard many times before, on one occasion from Selim Zilkar, the Baghdad-born boss of Mothercare, one of James Goldsmith's old business confederates. Zilkar and I were standing amid a sea of high chairs and prams in his store in London's Oxford Street. His background included Egypt, the Lebanon and America. Doesn't matter if you're in Cairo or New York, Zilker said. The one thing you never forget is that retail is detail. Over lunch, Leslie said, never take your eye off the ball. It's all in the detail and the price. If you're selling soap powder like the fella down the road and he's flogging it a penny or two cheaper, that's where the customers will go. No doubt about it. Retail, detail, how much you can sell something for. It's not rocket science, but people lose sight of the basics. They get caught up in market research, public relations, human resources, advertising, things which really should be peripheral. They lose their way. They forget what they're supposed to be doing. It should be straightforward, but oh no, they get lost. Who wants to be a shopkeeper these days? It's just not glamorous enough. It doesn't have the cachet. Everybody wants to be on TV, a doctor, a banker, a lawyer. God help us, a lawyer. We ran across the Haymarket, dodging traffic, being nearly hit by a Bentley. If you're going to be knocked over, let it be by a decent car. I used to sell them. Wonderful cars, he said. Leslie Porter and I always got on well. Short, stocky, social. He liked a whiskey or two. He smiled easily, and he was always impeccable. 
He reminded me of the legendary hotel boss, Lord Forte. He had the smile, the easy charm, the vitality. Like Forte, he was also shrewd and mischievous. At the reform, my club, I asked Leslie what the tiny SLP monogram on his shirt meant. His eyes twinkled. If you've got it, he said, well, why not? He'd been knighted. The S meant sir. With anybody else, it would have been vulgar. But it was well hidden by his jacket. If he wanted SLP on his shirt, well, why not? Short of stature like Forte, he was too big to boast. Everybody knew of the thousands of people he employed, his immense clout in a tough sector. He was free of any self-made chips. His SLP was fun, a tiny affectation by which he could impishly gauge other people's reactions. Just like Charles Forty, Sir Leslie Porter had a distinctly puckish streak. I once held a soiree for business grandees at the Reform. I invited Leslie and another Leslie, who Leslie Porter was charmed by, the avuncular friendly Sir Leslie Smith, chairman of BOC, the huge international British oxygen company. They hit it off immediately. A business leader in one field is usually fascinated by another who ploughs an entirely different furrow. I mentioned to Leslie Porter that I was making a TV documentary at the time about Arnold Weinstock's mighty GEC. Weinstock, he said. Now, there's a real businessman. As if he was saying Weinstock was immeasurably more significant than himself, running Britain's biggest supermarket chain. Weinstock was, of course, one of the most important post-war businessmen, and GEC at the time was a stellar company. But like Weinstock, Porter employed thousands, paid millions in wages and pensions, provided, in his case, inexpensive food, made profits which delighted investors, and raised millions of pounds in tax, which gave unalloyed joy to the exchequer. His tongue was forever in his cheek, but his admiration of Weinstock was genuine. With both Leslie's, there was always a surfeit of self-mockery, a trait which is far too rare today. You mustn't get above yourself, Leslie Porter told me. We're the people behind the counter. We keep shop. We make a lot of money and we employ a lot of people. But we're only as good as the people on the shop floor. They're Tesco's face, the public face. Get it wrong, no matter the products or the price, and customers will say, oh, we're not going there again. Everybody's so rude. Customers rarely remember polite staff. They remember the rude ones. It's human nature. Customers can be a pain. But I can't say that because the customer is king and the customer is always right. We both knew what he was saying about his gigantic business was oversimplified. He made it sound like a corner shop. There's far more to big retail than standing behind a counter keeping customers happy. Be that at its core. A company of such scale and complexity 
needs a thousand disciplines. You could write a book or twenty on supply chain mechanisms alone. Plenty have, and most, I have to say, are virtually unreadable. Britain's supermarkets operate on wafer-thin margins. Snapping at their heels are the German discounters Aldi and Lidl. They've grabbed a large chunk of the market. The future of bricks and mortar supermarkets is uncertain. They have to be attuned to the volatile spending habits of their customers, and customers are very capricious. Mammoth out-of-town complexes are beginning to look outmoded. They have to cope with net shopping, upping their digital game, and investing heavily online. Tesco was very much a family affair, and Porter wasn't the only son-in-law. Hyman Kreitman, Cohen's older son-in-law, was the managing director. Kreitman was a moderniser. He and Jack Cohen clashed over Cohen's "pilot high and sell it cheap" mantra. Kreitman became the chairman, but he quit when Cohen blocked his plans. Cohen could be autocratic. It's not easy to hand over the keys to an empire that you founded from nothing. Kreitman wanted to take Tesco up market. The climate had grown hostile with competitors. Shoppers had grown choosy about what they bought, from where, and for how much. A new sophistication had taken root. Kreitman recognized it, and so did Leslie. Leslie. Unleashed transformative change. Tesco superstores with petrol stations and sprawling car parks sprang up on the edge of towns. For all his insistence with me about sticking to the basics, he triggered a sophisticated program of systems and processes which paved the way for the future. I tease Leslie Porter about marrying Shirley, Jack Kern's daughter. It's an old chestnut," he said, marrying the boss's daughter. But I had built a sizable business before I agreed to join Tesco. Leslie's father, Henry, had run a textile company in North London. Before joining his dad's firm, Leslie sold cars for H. R. Owen, the Rolls Royce dealer. As a kid, he told me, I used to poke around the showroom, and I thought to myself, I wouldn't mind one of these. Leslie always liked cars, and showed himself the master of a crucial art in business: selling. He told me, "If you can sell cars, you can sell anything." He was laughing, chomping on his cigar. He'd seen action in the war in Italy, Crete, and North Africa. In 1948, he married Shirley, but it took eleven more years before he succumbed to his father-in-law's overtures and joined Tesco. My own business was going well," he told me. "I'd made a few bob. The old man, Cohen, liked doing things his way. I didn't want to be a runaround. I didn't want people saying I got on by marrying the boss's daughter." Leslie had built up his father's business, specialising in furnishings and textiles. Post-war Britain saw it inching out of the drab utility years. Making do and mending was still a convention, but a pride in matters of the hearth was growing. His furnishings business took full advantage. He'd seen a change in tastes and introduced new lines, 
widening its appeal. I never, ever, he told me, lost sight of the margins, how much money we made on each item. The adage about turnover being vanity and profits being sanity is as true now as it was then. From early on, Jack Cohen had seen Leslie's worth, how he galvanised his own family business. He was dogged in his pursuit, finally enticing him to Tesco in 1959. Cohen wouldn't have employed a duffer, be the candidate family or not. He was simply too hard-eyed for that. He wouldn't imperil his creation by putting somebody who was not up to it in a key position in his business. As it transpired, Cohen hit lucky. Shirley and Leslie forged an enduring marriage, and by signing Leslie, Cohen kept his beloved Tesco in the family. It was not an easy relationship. There were big differences. Not for nothing was Cohen known in retail as the godfather. Leslie was used to getting his own way, and on his part determined to take Tesco by the throat. There's an entertaining story that they grabbed Wilkinson swords off the boardroom wall and actually had a fight. On another occasion, Cohen clouted Leslie with a clock as Leslie was driving his Rolls Royce. Such tales are recalled by another former Tesco boss, Ian McLaurin, in his book Tiger by the Tail, an excellent memoir. Leslie told me, in a big business and given how Tesco began, there was always going to be a clash. It was inevitable. He gave me a copy of Cohen's biography, Pile It High and Sell It Cheap, written by Maurice Carina. Naturally, he signed it for me as Sir Leslie Porter. Leslie told me the old man and I had some real bust-ups. He was a fighter. He built it from scratch. It's family, you know. These things happen. He was a risk-taker, intuitive. He had an instinct. You must be able to feel a business and the market. You wear it eventually like a second skin. We had some real humdingers, but the old man had great energy and great vision. Tesco today, years later, is a phenomenon. As Britain's biggest supermarket, it has 3,700 stores and 340,000 employees in the UK and Ireland. If all shops and staff in the other 13 countries in which it operates are included, it has 7,000 stores and 450,000 workers. It's not as a company in the family as it once was but old Jack Cohen would have pulled on his cigar and been a proud man. You've been listening to Big Business. This is John Swinfield signing off. Don't forget to click on subscribe. I'm on every Wednesday at 11am GMT.